What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Fried Squirms. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And we're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. And we're going to start that with the first part, getting stoned. Let's get to our green hits. Danny, uh, what did you bring for me today? Well, Tyler, (laughs) funny coincidence this week is that we both like to frequent a particular dispensary here in town. And with that being noted, we both happen to pick up the same strain. And this strain is Romulan, which is, of course, named after the infamous hostile alien race in Star Trek. But for those who are curious, it is a indica-dominant strain, at least from the shop that we go mm-hmm. to. And it is a cross I've seen from North American Indica, which is out of British Columbia, and the White Rhino Hybrid strain, which is really cool. So with that being said... The flavors and notes that you'll typically get off of this is uh, some piney and citrusy, a little woodsy and sweet smelling, and you'll get a little bit of a pungent aroma, but the effects on this is it's uh, cerebral, euphoric, you'll feel happy, a little hungry, a little relaxed, and a little sleepy because it is an indica strain. So I feel at home with indicas. I think I'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we often joke about not wanting to be sleepy boys on the podcast, but I've been hitting Indica's all weekend. If anything, like, I still got shit done this weekend, so I ain't too worried about it. Although, like, legit, I still might end up becoming a sleepy boy. We'll see what happens. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I think, joint. <laughs> I think we'll be okay. I'm more, I'm more likely going to become a hungry boy. <laughs> hey, likewise, man. At that point of day. <laughs> got that right. Anyway, yeah, like you said, we brought the same thing, which was funny. I told you this morning, I'm like, man, I was out and about getting some shit done, bought a new guitar. Yeah. I'm like, I have time to go to one shop and I'm going to buy whatever they have. <laughs> and it was Romulan. Like, okay. Which, like, I ain't mad about mad no, no, no. it. It's, it's a nice little strain. Plus, I got some more to get me through the week. Nice. There you go. Well, I guess with the green hits out of the way, let's move on to the guts and bolts of the Queen of Black Magic. Didn't we just do this one? Whoa, deja vu. Guts and bolts. All right, now that we're getting into these J's, let's get into these guts and bolts. We'll tell you who and what went into the making of this in our spoiler-free section before we get on to the rest of the movie. To start us off, set up for Queen of Black Magic. Super loose remake, if you did listen to the last episode, to the point where this setup won't sound anything like it. (laughs) You're right. A group of grown orphans return to the orphanage where they grew up because the man that raised them there is deathly ill and bad things start happening i like it i think it's a fair assessment without getting into spoilers of what this film entails so of course with that being said week to week we talk about the people going into making the film and the actors and actresses in front of the cameras and this week is a gentleman we actually talked about before we mentioned him because we reviewed macabre also known as rumadora or dora's house and we yeah whose house but we did that back on episode 69 uh which blows my mind i know because i was digging through all the films we did and i was like holy shit it's been that long fucking hell and we didn't do it for test your fright did we we didn't throw the cob in there no we sure didn't we talked about it i think after the fact but it wasn't a part of it it doesn't seem like it was that long ago it really doesn't man time flies when you're having fun and here we are i know right that one seems like we did it just like half a year ago that's exactly what it feels like but it was more like close to three years ago (laughs) 
just fucking stupid. Some of these other ones I don't remember doing at oh, all. No. That one I remember. It was a good movie. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But the gentleman, he is one half of that directing crew, but this gentleman is Kimo Stambul. And he and his partner, Timo, they're known as the Mo Brothers. So with that being said, some of his other films include Bunyan, the film Dread Out, Killers, and the film Headshot. Right, we have a couple of writers. The story actually was written by Sobagio Samtani, and he's known for the story Ratu Ilmu Hitam, which of course both films are based off of. And the screenplay was written by a gentleman we've actually mentioned real briefly because of Macabre, but that gentleman is Joko Anwar. And he is both a writer, a producer, a director. He's got his hands kind of all over Indonesian cinema. We're going to cover him in the future oh, because dude. we already looked into his filmography. He's got some, some of these titles look great. Yeah, I was like, he's got some cool shit. So with that being said, I'm going to hit on a few that kind of caught my eye. And starting off with that premise is you go back to 2012, he directed the film and he was a writer on the film Ritual. He also helped with the 2017 remake of another Indonesian horror film we talked about last week in the Ooh. credits, but that was for Satan Slaves. Right. He's also responsible for directing and writing the film Gandala. And of course, you've already mentioned Impetigor, which I'm really curious about. We have editor Erifan, I want to see if I can say this right, Chiuunk, <laughs> and he is known for editing the films Ritual, Headshot, Satan Slaves, and Homecoming. Our cinematographer is Patrick Tashadian, and he's known for helping out with the films Dread Out, Colt, and Persepsi. The music was composed by two different gentlemen. Actually, one we've mentioned because we reviewed, of course, Macaw back in episode 69. He helped compose the music for that film. But that gentleman is Yudi Arfani, and his partner is Fajar Yaskamal. And I'll start with Yudi first, Mr. Arfani. He helped on such films as Merlina, The Murder in Four Acts, What They Don't Talk About When They Talk About Love in the film Nay. I've heard of What They Don't Talk About When They Talk About Love. Yeah, no, it's like, it's kind of surprising some of these credits because it's like, I think I might have heard about that as well. And his partner on this, Fajar, he is responsible for composing the music for some really cool films, believe it or not. The Raid, Redemption, and The Raid Part 2. What? The film Headshot, and the film Killers. And it looks like he did nine episodes of Gangs of London for the television oh, back okay. in 2020, so that's pretty cool. I know some folks that are really into that show. Nice, man. The Raid and Raid 2 are some of the finest martial arts movies yeah. that have ever been put out. Sick. Choreography in those is pretty sick astounding anyway damn i know right all right the film was produced by gopeti samtani production companies rapi films sky media they were in association with and screenplay films the distributors were Cathay karis films they helped with the theatrical release in singapore back in 2020 and shutter it premiered for the streaming service on january 28th 2021 of this year and it had a premiere in Indonesia on November 7th, 2019. All right, so I'm going to move into the cast. We have a lot of people. I'm just going to briefly mention some other film credits because, once again, these are like all Indonesian films and actors and actresses within that particular industry. Not that we don't want to give them their due, but we but also like, see our numbers and we know that most of you yeah, are watching like, from like you know, two doors down. Exactly. So it's and like, I don't expect you to know Indonesian. Film. If you want to know more about them, come find us. <laughs> yeah. All right. So actually I'm going to start off with the gentleman. Once again, we've talked about before this gentleman is Ariel Bayou. He plays a role of Hanif 
in the film. We talked about him because he was in Macabre, and a few other films of credit to his name are the films Dead Time. He was in the film The Forbidden Door, the films Java Heat, Headshot, Gandala, and, and Petigor. So a lot of these people do work together once again. All right. We have Hanna al-Rashid. She plays the role of Nadja, which is the wife of Hanif. And a few films of note from her. She was in the segment Safe Haven in the VHS 2 film. She was also in the film Ritual from 2012. She was in the film Buffalo Boys and see the films The Night Comes For Us and the film Gundala. Now, I did read she's in pre-production to be a part of a fourth film in a series of films called Never Back Down. I believe it's an American production, if I'm not mistaken, or at least American martial arts films. But the one that she's going to be in is Never Back Down Revolt. Now, she's been in some music videos. She's won a couple of awards, actually nominated for a couple of awards uh, in Indonesia. So she's kind of a well-known actress as well. All right, moving forward, we have Adisti Zara. She plays the role of Dina, who is the daughter of Hanif and Nadja in this. Now, here's something interesting about this particular girl is that she actually emerged as a member of the Indonesian Japanese idol group JKT48 in 2016. So primarily, she's known as a pop singer in, oh, sure. uh, yeah, okay. in Indonesia, which is really neat. Now, she's done a couple of things of film credits, but it's mostly Indonesian. So uh, I doubt that anybody's going to know any of these names because I certainly don't. <laughs> So I just know that she's more or less known for being a seeker. But I did read that she wanted to join this because of Joko Anwar and Kimo. So cool. I thought that was really cool. All right. So moving forward, we have uh, Muzaki Ramdahan, who plays the role of Haki, who is a little brother mm-hmm. and, you know, the son of the couple I've just mentioned before. Uh, just a few things of note from him. He was in the film Gandala as well, and he's in the upcoming film Priman. We have Ari Irham, who is the older brother of Dina and Haki, and his name is Sandy. So a few things of credit for him. He was in the film Too Handsome to Handle. He's in the series Imperfect, this series from 2021. Moving forward, we have Adi Farman Hikim. He plays the role of Maman, who's like Mm, one of the older people, yeah. He's in the films Night Bus, Midnight Show, and 22 Minute. We have Sheila Dara Aisha. She plays the role of Siti. A few things of note from her. She was in Pink Guinea Pig, not to be confused with any of the guinea pig films of notoriety we've mentioned several times on this show. Pink Guinea Pig sounds like the porn parody. I was just going to say, pig. that sounds pretty filthy, but it's not. <laughs> and uh, she was also, also... the porn parody of Guinea Pig sounds disgusting. Oh, oh yeah. That's not fappening, let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, and the other film of note that she's been in, she was in the film Egnoid Love and Time Portal. All right, moving forward, we have Tanta Gintink, and they play the role of Anton. He's one of the older gentlemen who come back. Yeah. All right, now he's been in a few things of note. He was in the film Three Ladies. There was a couple of films entitled The Heaven, None Missed. He was in parts one and part two. He was also in What Lies Within, the film Gandala, and he's also a part of The Heaven None Miss Part 3, which is currently in post-production. So if you're a fan of those films, you'll see him again. All right, we have Miller Khan, who plays the role of Jeffrey. He's one of the other older guys that's coming back to the orphanage. few films of note from him. He was in Hide and Seat Monaco. He was in the film Dreadout in Foxtrot 6. We have Imelda Terin, who plays the role of Eva. Believe it or not, we've actually talked about her before. She plays the role of Maya in Urumadara, a.k.a. Macab. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, she's the one who kind of leads them to the house. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, a few other things of note from her, she was in the film Quickie Express, and she was in Professionals, which she actually was nominated for the 2017 Indonesian Movie Actors Awards for Best Actress. And she's also been in several television series as well. All right, I got a couple other people, and that'll pretty much round out our cast and crew. I have Salvita de Corte. She plays the role of Lena. She's actually a model, which is not surprising. Now, she's been in the films Dread Out, The Night Comes for Us, in the films Priman. I have Julio Perengukwan, and they play the role of Hasbi, which is like one of the teenagers in the film. He was in Dilan 1990, and he's been in a couple of other television series, so you might be familiar with him if you watch Indonesian television. <laughs> like I said, I got a few other people. I have uh, Shanina Cinnamon, who plays the role of Rani. She's the other teen. Mm-hmm. Really, the only thing of note from her, she was in the film Rompus. We have Yaya A.W. Unru, who plays the role of Pak Bandi, who is the old guy that they're going okay. to visit. Yeah. A few things of note from him. He was in the 2017 film Possessive and Headshot from 2016. I'm surprised they didn't grab anybody from the original Queen of Black Magic to be Bondi. Dude, it could have been Gundam or any of those people. Right? Yeah, but that's I what know. I would have. That's the stunt casting I would have went for because all you have to do is lay there most of the time anyway. He didn't do much of anything in this film. <laughs> Some real angry stares. <laughs> I think we could have done that. All right, so I have uh, Ruth Marini. She plays the role of Miss Mira. A few things of note from her she was in the film 2112 Warrior. May the Devil Take You, and she is in the upcoming film, Isa 2. All right, we have Giselma Fermansaya. She played the role of Mustika in the film. She was the girl towards the beginning. I'll mention a little bit later on. Uh, but she was in the film Foxtrot 6. And last but not least, I have Putri Ayudaya, who plays the role of Merni. And she was in the film's Homecoming and the film Gandala and the 2018 film Kafir, A Deal with the Devil. So that runs out our cast and crew. You gave us a setup of the film. We should give you some warnings. Warnings. Ooh, let's see. Where do we start with? Creepy crawlies. Yeah, there's a lot of creepy crawlies. Um, uh, some body horror. There is. If you're not comfortable with kid death or dead kids on film. Yeah. There's that. There's, yeah. Kind of artfully done, but in the end, still self-harm. Right. I agree. Yeah, that's getting into that body horror kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, good use of blood and gore. Some digitalized, okay, but... And minor spoilers for a couple of these, yeah, because, yeah. like, the self-harm I was thinking of just as its own trigger warning <laughs> is because of things being played upon this woman obviously having an eating disorder. Right. That's a good point. And also, at no point during the events of this movie is some supposed to have happened. There is an important part of this movie that involves the fact that children were sexually abused. Yeah, big old trigger warning there. But there's no part of this movie where it's simulated in any way or supposed to have happened like in the next room over during these events right it's heavily alluded to you can pretty much put two and two together just in case you were trying to gauge whether you wanted to go into that or not it's something that happened right but you never ever see any of it Mm -hmm. yeah so there is that though language (laughs) yeah some language i'm trying to think anything else 
God, I know it's kind of like spoiler stuff too, but decapitations and shit like that. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, we'll, of course, get into it when we get to it, but there's certain things like that that might throw people off. Mm-hmm. Once again, you know, it's black magic. So, dealing with the supernatural kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Let's get into it. I think that's good enough warnings. It's Queen of Black Magic. It's modern day. Let's go. How does that make you squeal? Hell yeah. All right, so that's two weeks in a row, Queen of Black Magic. I'm glad we did it. Yeah, likewise. Uh, I liked this movie. It was pretty cool. I want to get this out of the way right away. It's selling the movie a little bit short because it's only maybe half of what the movie is. But this is the superior version of It Chapter 2. <laughs> that's a good point, man. That's a good way of looking at that. I think this is a lot better, like, adults coming back to face something that recontextualizes their wow. past. Yeah, and then, you know, you get some huge truth nuggets dropped on your head. Mm-hmm. And you still have to confront this, you know, entity, so to speak. So, yeah, there's a lot of parallels there. Better than both versions of it, Chapter 2. <laughs> I know, man. That's kind of disappointing. I mean, not for this film's sake. I'm saying for that franchise's sake, because yeah. <laughs> you had two chances to get it right. <laughs> and Indonesia beat you to it. I know. Come on, man. Now, that being said, this isn't that similar to it, Chapter 2. It's not, but I mean, what you, you just it, said, though, there's right? some parallels, yeah. Because it doesn't feel like something you haven't seen before. It's just a different take on it. Also, it's kind of It Chapter 2 mixed with Baskin. Yeah, man. So I was watching this a little earlier with one of my nephews, you know, because he was curious because I was taking Mm -hmm. my notes and what have you. So as this stuff was playing, I was kind of explaining things to him with the use of, you know, certain shots and what to look for and how to tell when you're dealing, especially with this particular subgenre, when you're dealing with witches and black magic and this kind of shit, there are certain things that you can look for. And if you see it, then it kind of leads you down a certain path that's easy to follow. And that was kind of pointing that out to him and he was kind of digging it. So mm-hmm. yeah, so it was fun. But what I'm getting at is it's not something that I haven't seen before that we haven't seen before. It's just an Indonesian take on it. Which isn't really that different because this not is really, a- the last one hinges a lot more on the supernatural. This one is a lot more about like the human side mm-hmm. and the supernatural plays into it. And it's what's putting them in danger. Absolutely. But it's awkward before that, <laughs> partially just because some of them suck at interacting with people. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Uh... And I'm not only talking about Maman and CT. No, no, no. There's awkward conversations throughout yeah. and situations throughout mm. with these characters. It was a tense situation to begin with, Damn. and it's only made worse as it goes on. Out the gate, though, this movie, it had me laughing. I'm like, you're going to start this movie off with like making a joke about the kids being adopted? <laughs> yeah, and that one kid was buying it hard. Yeah. I like oh. how the girl did like play into it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you uh, see the you see the older ones like think about it for a second and look at each other. It's like, and they're like, oh no, we figured it out. All yeah. right. That was pretty Let's good. Play that was pretty clever. But you're right. Like that's within the first couple of minutes of the film. I did mention last week as a minor, minor, minor spoiler that I'd watched the first two minutes of the film. Oh, right. <laughs> but with that first two minutes, what I was thinking is like, oh yeah, that was definitely the two minutes before the hit. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Once I started watching past that, I was like, oh, yeah, you can't get really anything just from that opening. You just know that 
he and his family are on the way to that orphanage because of what you've already mentioned earlier, that old man Bondi is sick and on his deathbed, it seems like. What are the fucking chances of there being that hit deer right there? Too? Yeah, I think that's not a coincidence, especially after last week with quote-unquote coincidences. Now, ooh. Oh, it's not a coincidence, is it? Did they show that she used the deer to spook the bus off the road? I don't think they ever did. I know we're that jumping would make sense. way ahead, but something did. I know, I mean, just the way this played, I mean, she was responsible for all of it. Right. You know. But they never really show the deer being a part of that. But I could see that being used as a diversion for her to get onto the bus and how all that shit played out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Because it's already shown that there's use of animals in this film for certain purposes. Upon rewatch, this is such a minor gripe. But when (laughs) they show the girl on the side of the road and you're like, oh shit, that's what he hit. I wish they would have shown a clearer shot of what she was wearing so that it was more obvious she was one of the orphanage kids. Gotcha. Just set it up more. Because I was like, what, is she like a fucking random village kid? Did yeah. he just hit Mernie? Like, is this, yeah, is this and like... And maybe that's, they wanted me to have that question, but I was hoping, like, I wanted that little bit to hold on to so I could be like, all right, where does this puzzle piece fit? Right, right, right. It gives you more than just some random ass kid just got hit. What the fuck was that? <laughs> Yeah, I guess, yeah, that's the thing. I guess I didn't want it to be a mystery in itself. I wanted it to be a piece of the puzzle to look for where it placed in later, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure. And that's such a minor gripe because it's still neat and helps play into Because, like, there's definitely a parts of the movie where I'm like, so maybe Mernie never aged because of black magic, but she just got hit. Maybe. Good point, yeah. Because at that point, too, you don't I didn't know, know her yeah. age, nothing like that, so... I have a feeling that the more I'm about to start talking about this movie, the more I feel like this is going to be one of those ones where I actually really liked it, but end up bringing up a bunch of things that feel off about it. That's okay. I did legitimately really like this movie, and I also think there's giant legitimate gripes to be had with this movie. Like, they never quite explain why Hanif and Maman's relationship is the way it is. Yeah. Like, Maman's calling him sir off the get-go, and he has to tell him, like, fuck you doing that for? I know, like, we're basically, we're brothers, dude. Some of the other things make sense between the group, or they bring up things to make it make sense, but... I'm wondering, too, if it's another one of those things, culturally, you know, with... (laughs) I noticed a little bit last week, it had a different meaning, of course, with brother and all that shit... But this week, when, you know, it's like auntie, even though they're not blood-related, auntie and uncle and all, it's just like a a sign of respect. Right. Well, and I thought that one was neat, too, because it was obvious, like, it's the sign of respect, but it's also the closest thing you have to an aunt or an uncle on your dad's side because he's an orphan. that's a solid point. Exactly. So it makes sense maybe in that context, you know, once that guy got adopted, it changed the roles or the titles. Mm-hmm. So now he has to address, I mean, not has to, but that's maybe why he's addressing him as sir. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing, dude? That one just felt weird because I feel like any other weird relationship thing in this movie is explained in some way or another. Mm-hmm. And that one I was like, is it just because Niff was kind of the leader of the group and yeah. you know how <laughs> things went down? You know what I mean? Oh, man. Yeah. God damn. I like that little misdirection too, because 
there is it yeah is it solely setting up the misdirection of it makes you feel like oh man there's something off already with mm-hmm. this person yeah like you said addressing him and interacting and something's off <laughs> yeah my problem i don't mind them setting up something being off it's mm-hmm. just that it's never explained yeah there's no explanation at least not i don't know if it's just supposed to be cuz nif was kind of the leader of the group and they went through what they went through yeah i mean i guess that works that makes sense it was a very traumatic event and it would certainly have repercussions but it still doesn't explain him calling him sir like it might explain him like acting scared of him in some way i can see that because what he's seen what he knows yeah perhaps I don't know. I'm just going to like... Also, this is a spoiler section. (laughs) We keep jumping around like what they did and shit, but we don't have to, but... I mean, essentially, what what I like, right, is once they show up to the house, everybody's interacting. It's already setting up the kid as like, you know, this kid, he's a good kid. You know, respects people. He's mindful. He even mentions, you know, after they play that trick on me, he's like, I don't mind if I'm adopted. You know, stuff like that. So... Hockey. Yeah, it, it makes me think, you know... They're setting this up because this kid's going to have a, an important part somewhere down the road. We don't know exactly when, but I feel like that was a, kind of a setup, too. Like, this is a good character. I feel like we've watched movies that try to have a kid like this that don't do it as well, where the kid ends up feeling a little bit more annoying than genuinely I was just about to say that, inquisitive. Right. No, this kid feels super authentic. Like, he was made for that part. Because mm-hmm. I think it's easy to get the questiony kid wrong. Oh, no doubt. Yeah if, yeah, if you don't have the right kid, it can feel really bad. Yeah. And you know, like, like you said, he, like, he'll, like he'll actually sound disrespectful when he's asking City right, yeah, what's wrong absolutely. with your face, which he didn't sound disrespectful at all. He sounded genuinely just like, I'm curious about the world around me. Right. You know, and he even, that? that's not normal. He prefaces it with like, you know, he's apologizing in advance, but yeah, I'm just inquisitive. I'm just curious. Don't mean any disrespect. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't apologize in, in advance of the first <laughs> No, 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 no. Like, from the get-go, he doesn't, because the mom's like, chill out, bro. <laughs> chill out, bro. Going in hot. No, I thought hockey was great. Yeah, he was good. Throughout all of this. I think among the better child actors we've ran no into. No doubt. Not the best, but he's, he's up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he holds his own. Yeah, I mean, because I'm having a hard... Like, there's definitely some that I would rank above him, but this... We're not here to like oh, no. try to put down the kid either. Like, <laughs> no, I don't want to no, sit no. here and think about all the movies we've done for 20 no, minutes. No, just I, no he did. I thought overall the kid did a good job, like a really good job. Because see, there was another thing that was set up in the beginning that never is explained. Like, why is Body giving Nadia fucking evil eye from the get go? Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, unless it's just like a foreshadow, you know, to when she discovers some shit, perhaps. Just trying to make sense of things, but I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, like, especially upon knowing what happens later in the movie, you're like, oh, well, that sets up the fact that she's the one that finds it. Yeah. But there's yeah. no reason for him to know that she's going to find it. No. In there's the middle no of them being dragged into fucking black magic hell that's the only thing that i'm willing to say that would maybe make sense and this is dealing with like the supernatural because we've done that several times now too is how much was Mernie's reach before they even arrived at that orphanage right was she already fucking with the orphanage and bundy and so same thing with like kohar 
Maybe she already had shit from them, so she was already manipulating in advance. Did they ever mention if Bondi knows black magic? Not in this one. He was, right. I mean, spoiler, he was a pedo, but but no, I don't think he ever had anything to do with it. I think it was Miss Mira yeah. who got into it. and. Well, see, I'd be willing to forgive if he knew black magic as well, and so he's able to sense, like, oh, shit. Like, that would make sense if that were the case. But they never did that for us either. Nope. So it makes me wonder maybe if already perhaps Murney was like spying through him. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just speculating. That's all. We're trying to give it a lot of credit. I know. I know. It's not really that complicated either. No, it's really. it's. (laughs) But it's fun. It's fun to think about. It's just super obvious foreshadowing. Yeah. That's that's what it amounts to. That's what it amounts to. That doesn't make sense within the story. I like foreshadowing with reason. This is foreshadowing without reason. I I agree. I agree. Now, one thing to some of the writing and use of symbology or whatnot was I was explaining this to my nephew, specifically with Lena, because he started watching it when she was doing her thing. Mm. And I was explaining to him, I was like, you know, she's seeing herself. She has apparently an eating disorder and body dysmorphia, right? She thinks she's fat and like... If that's fat, I hate to see what skinny is. Yeah. Yeah. She's fit. <laughs> no, she's nice. But the point being is that I was explaining to him, you know, she sees herself because now black magic is kind of taken over. And it makes sense with a witch because of mirrors. Mm-hmm. And she also happens to have an apple in her mouth, which could represent a couple of different things. Right. right? Anyway, the whole point was like, She's seeing herself in the mirror as fat. She's cutting herself, and everything is coming off clean in the mirror. Mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Well, now it's me. Yeah, I I referenced that. I was like, think about Snow White, you know, and the witch and that. So That's an amazingly done scene. By the way, I was shitting on a couple things in this movie. Like, at first, I thought it was really bad effects, the way that she was just scraping it along the skin. That looks like some bullshit. you see a little bit of blood. (laughs) Yeah. But then it would just wipe away. And I was like, what the fuck? And then the camera keeps coming around. Yeah. And you're like, oh, they're they're not showing you the other side of her. And then that was good. Yeah. Now that was really fucking good. It was clever. one of my favorite fucking scenes in this movie. Yeah. I like even on second watch, I think I appreciated it more because I was picking out like, oh, they're using symbology here along with, you know, things that are already attached to witches, Mm -hmm. you know? So I thought that was clever. Holy shit from the get-go, Dina wants that dick. I know, she's like, hold up, wait a minute. So my sister's only 10. You have sisters. I do. Have you ever had to deal with your sister that blatantly trying to get dick right in front of you? Um, I'm trying to think out, like, really out in the open. Because she's not uh, hiding anything. No, I, she's I, like, oh, what bedroom right. do you sleep in? I can't say this. I was a li- at, the, at the time, sometimes I was a little, like, naive because I was in my own mm-hmm. little world. But... Not around me, I can say. I'll put it that way. Because I've got four sisters, and I've never seen them horned up like that, where it's like, hey, man, you need to chill. <laughs> you know, come you on. See her brother turns, and he's like... No, it's like, hello, <laughs> family. <laughs> what what room do you sleep in? What the fuck? I know. I mean, we get it, but come on, chill. Yeah, I mean, we remember what it was like, but also... By the way, like this move, maybe this was should have also been its own trigger warning, but I don't think we spend enough time with, what's that kid's name, Hosby? Oh, yeah, Hosby. Hosby? Yeah. We don't spend enough time with him 
for it to really come out and be like a major part of this movie. Yeah. But his dialogue yeah. and shit later on kind of indicates that he might be kind of like a little incel kid. You might be right. You might be right, man. He's one of those like, proud boys. <laughs> he starts getting pissed off that she's coming on so strong, starts fucking slut shaming yeah, her. He does. Pulls out the fucking gun. Dude. Like, All right. I like where you're going with this. Yeah. Because this is something I was pointing out to my nephew once again. It kind of started that conversation between those two when he does get that rifle out and you see the mouse, rat, whatever. And I put it on pause because I was like, all right, Scott, why don't you check this out? I was like, you see how they're focusing mainly just on this rat? Why would they do that if it wasn't important? And I was explaining to him, I was like, right now, I was like, what do you see? He's like, a rat. I was like, you know what I see? I see a witch in this fucking room. (laughs) He's like, what do you mean? I was like, that rat is the witch. She's in the room. She's manipulating them right now. So I feel like, yeah, he might have some of those sentiments. I don't know for sure. But well, because the witch seemed mostly she, to be she was like, pushing uh, out what's already there. That's what I'm saying. There was probably something deeply rooted in him and I'm feeling that way, probably because of what he's seen and knows and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's like coming on to him like, whoa, pump the brakes, ho. So yeah, what I was explaining to him, I was like, yeah, there's manipulation going on right now. This rat is the witch. So I thought that was clever too. The use of different animals, like so where there's manipulation, whatever. So maybe that deer at the beginning does make sense. Like maybe she had control over it, manipulated it in front of the bus, caused the accident. Mm -hmm. Now she can come in and clean house. Oof. Yeah. And clean house she does. I also want to point out, maybe it was better than what the subtitles made it out to be. But fucking Anton kind of sucks at talking to kids. Like, he was treating them all like they were seven. (laughs) I know. What's up with that, dude? (laughs) It's like, the only, like, young one wasn't even paying attention to his shit. Oh, fuck fuck that dude. He was off exploring the fucking thing. But he's, like, getting at them like they're little kids. And, like, oh, look, they're soulmates, 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 soulmates. I know. (laughs) Even the two, the couple of them, sort of like, what what are you talking about? Uh... (laughs) I did like the scene they had in the kitchen where they were, you know, discussing don't be jealous and, you know, their appearance and all that stuff. And then, like, so the kid walks in and asks the question. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end, after she explains, she tells her story to him, which is cool, too, because that has a, a twist to it. Yeah. But he tells them, which I don't know if he heard the conversation or not, whether he did or not, it doesn't make a difference. Because the, the end result is still the same is that he tells... The dude, he's like, you're handsome and you're pretty. He gives her a peck and that kind of works her up. I was about to say, like, they went off and fucked, right? Like That's the, what it looks like. Because she's like, like, hey, boy, it come did, get it. It did everything, like, cinematic shorthand has done since, like, the 50s. We suddenly got the outside shot looking in. We only see him in the window. He has a little bit of, like, an eye, <laughs> like an eyebrow, not quite wiggle, but it was but almost you know, there. But you know. <laughs> and then he goes out of sight. All right. That shot when he's looking out mm-hmm. the window, that's another thing I was pointing out to my nephew. I was like, uh, when you see scenes like that, typically also means somebody's on the outside looking in. So it's like, that's one of those devices that is clever. Those shots, it's telling a story right. too. Because then they're gone for a bit, which makes them double suspicious once everything starts happening. Correct. Man, now we're jumping just all around this I know, page. but it's fun. Yeah. It's still fun. We've talked about it a couple times. Now let's get into the fucking... So Niff grabs... Who was, was Did he grab... It was Jeff. 
Jeff. Yeah. 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 yeah, It was Jeff and Lena. That's the couple, like the handsome couple. And Eva and Anton, Eva's the one who has like the germophobia. They bounce. Like he finds the little bit on his car and he's like, oh shit, that might not have been a deer. And they get out there. Now, I almost don't even care about finding the girl. Yeah. That plays out later and that's cool and, and fine and all. We've already mentioned her. I was not expecting the bus. I was not either. I was like, whoa, that went a little further than I was expecting. They're like, oh, look at this bus off the road. Let's go open it up. Let's check what's in the bus. No. Every kid in the bus is dead. They're all super fucking bloody. There's some eyes missing in places. Dude, it's like, pretty. I was like, damn. All right, I will say this. Here in the States and the West in general, if you show that on the big screen here in the States. That's a harder one to get through, I feel like. People are going to probably get pissed at that. <laughs> you know, I was like, no, they did a good job. And it's fucking, it's just makeup and effects, mm-hmm. whatever. But I thought that was, whoa. All right. The first time through this film, first watch, I missed the conversation they had earlier where they talked about the bus with the kids, like coming back or whatever. I missed that conversation. I wasn't paying attention. So when they found the bus, I was like, what the fuck is this bus? And then all those kids, it's like, what the fuck? And it didn't dawn on me that was the orphanage kids. I didn't miss that dialogue in the beginning. The only thing that bugs me about the bus is way later... Nadia says something about why don't we grab the bus? The kids must be back by now or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, bitch, do you see any kids around? I mean, it's a bus. Come on. Yeah. And there's kids. You would have heard them. That was the only thing I was like, maybe I'm misremembering it. And she was saying, Perhaps. they should be here any minute. Can't we just use it then? Yeah. But I'm also like, time has passed. Look outside. Like, they should have been here hours ago. There is one gripe I have a little bit. And it looks, it's a very, very minor gripe. Once again, doesn't change anything about the film. It's just when you think about it, maybe logically, it's like, why are you doing this? Why are you, why are you trying to make this decision? And what I'm getting at is there comes a point where they attempt to drive to the hospital, get some help because of mm-hmm. what's playing out, right? And they realize that they're just driving in circles, you know? Oh, yeah. And then, you know, Hanif explains what happened in the past. It's happening a little bit. Right. And I was like, that's pretty cool. But a little bit later on after, and we'll explain, I know we'll get into it, but what happens with Haki after he is discovered and found and all that shit, they're like, everybody's grabbing whoever's fucked up. And it seems like they're going to try to get to the cars. to. <laughs> they'll get, I'm like, didn't you just drive in circles? Right. For how long? And you're trying to do it again? Yeah, I get the instinct to want to do this, but you guys seem to be reasonably smart about all this in general terms. So. Right. So that was the minor gripe. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Not unless the magic is like so powerful at this point where it's fucking up everybody's brain. Maybe. I don't know. That's just the minor gripe I had. So while they find the bus of death, the fucking dinner scene's also happening, mm-hmm. which is almost more painful to watch because Anton and what's his wife's name? Eva. Anton and Eva both kind of suck at interacting with people. Oh man. It is funny because of the conversation. I I think it's a little dark humor too, the way it plays out that conversation because Anton is talking to Lena because she doesn't want to eat. And he's telling his wife because she's trying to like, Hey, you need to eat this, some fruit, whatever. And he's like, she's fine. She, she looks good. There's nothing wrong. She's not fat. And she's like, don't say that. That's rude. Blah, blah, but, blah. But really, you're not fat. You look great. 
No, I'm like, and he looks at her too, and I'm like, that's kind of funny. That's a little bit of humor there, but yeah, they are weird interactors. They suck at interacting like, with people. Yeah, what's wrong with you guys? Maybe um, that's stemming from their relationship, and it's and on blast or whatever. It's also super obvious that Lena needs like real therapy, but yeah, especially upon the second watch. I'm not sure if I'm mad at Jeffrey for not having gotten her to therapy yet. I feel like he's kind of all in the right place. He's fucked up right now, too, because he's taking it real hard that Bondi is on his outs. And out of all the couples, it seems like him and Lena are the newest anyway. It does feel like that, yeah. So they haven't had this time to even get to know each other in the same way all the others have yet. So it's not like he should be like, oh, there's something off. Like, Oh, right, right, because it's still in the early stages of the relationship, too. It's not that he doesn't care. It's that he's caught up in his own shit. He seems immediately, once shit starts going bad with her, yeah, his only thought caring. is about her. Right. And he keeps reminding other people, like, yo, we got to get my wife to the fucking hospital. Yeah, oh, man, God. Yeah. Yo, we got to get my wife to the fucking hospital. Quit all of it, like... Yeah, we're fucking Even around. if we have to split up, like, nobody's helping me out right now. And his thoughts turn exclusively to her. Exactly. And then he makes a fucked up discovery out in that little field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shit. But, like, Good. I think if Bondi wouldn't have been sick, like, he would have been getting her to therapy. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. Because he wouldn't have been wrapped up in all that stuff. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's going back to his childhood and stuff. Because it's pretty fucking obvious she needs therapy. <laughs> Oh, dude. Yeah, well, you know, she's... She's you, not she's hiding a, it at all. She's no, not... No, she's, she's not hiding it, and she's very... And then when it's just them, and she's like, well, then I got to get hormone therapy. Yeah, uh, I think this has something to do with the original film, Lena and Jeffrey, when they're in the room together, mm-hmm. and she's kind of coming on to him. It kind of makes me think about that scene with our Muslim guy. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Baida, mm-hmm. when they were like, she was all horned up coming after him. But in this case, he's like, no, nah, this is, you need to chill. This is the kid's room. <laughs> we're in the orphanage. It's like, I will put your brains out when we get back, but you need to chill right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the place. I know. It's like, trust me, it's definitely not you. <laughs> it's like, I got some shit going on. This is not the time. But like I said, I think that was a little parallel there, maybe. So. How involved with the overall plan from the get-go do you think Ronnie is? Do you think she knows what's going on from the get-go, or do you think there's a certain point where she gets contacted and brought in, so to speak? Uh, That's a good point, man. Um, Or is her teasing all the information to hockey part of the setup? Or is it just because that's who Ronnie is? I I could see that. Like, you know, she's... Because she's the one that, like, from the get-go, she's like, all right, hockey, you got to come here about this. All right, hockey, yeah, don't worry. After dinner, I'm going to show you yeah, part I'm gonna of that show movie. Yeah, I'm going to show you some real shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's a good point, like, too. Fuck faces of death. <laughs> yeah, you're going to see some real shit, boy. But no, to answer your question, I think that's a solid point. How much was she involved, yeah, in the setup of things? What was her history? the more I'm saying it out loud now, the yeah. more it seems pretty obvious that I think she was part of the setup the entire time. I mean, it feels like it. Seems like it, you know? I don't know. I think that's that's a solid point. I think it's a good observation, too. Or at least the entire time of this movie. Right. Maybe not the entire, like, 10 years that she had been yeah. at the orphanage or whatever. But the Still. entire timeline of this movie, 
I think she was involved. Without a doubt. And I, I think that's the point, too, is the house itself is a character in terms of, like, everything that's happening inside of it. It's being affected by the outside, too, with the magic and... You know, you you bury somebody in a fucking in the house. You know, bad shit's already gonna kick off. We ever done bones and all that other stuff. Shit doesn't go right when you bury people in the houses, right? So that's already you fucked up as is. And then you throw in black magic and all this other stuff. You're just not gonna have a good time. Another tiny gripe, but it stood out especially upon the second watch: the faucet water turning uh, to blood. Yeah, super cliche for a fucking haunted house. But it wasn't even in a high-stakes situation where yeah. somebody could have noticed it or where somebody did notice it and heighten the terror. It's literally just for the audience. I was going to say that. as like, man, sometimes, sometimes people just don't get it. <laughs> and some of those other things could qualify as just for the audience. But like I said, it's usually in a situation where oh, if yeah. the character would turn their head just a little bit, they would see it too. This is not the case. No. No, it was framed without any characters in mind. Yeah, it's just like, hey, as a reminder, just a friendly reminder. (laughs) Like I said, I enjoyed this movie. It's got a lot of right, but there's little tiny things like, uh, you know. So what what kind of comes up next is the fucking her ripping off her skin, but we talked about that shit. Yeah, and that's fucked up. But Eva, oh dude, that's fucked up. Now I was pretty decent. I'm not the biggest fan of the obvious CG centipedes, but it's still pretty well played out. Everybody who has to deal with the CG creepy crawlies in this movie does a good job of being freaked out by them, quote unquote, interacting with them. (laughs) And it's primo under the skin effects. I think they did a really good job with that because it is a natural fear for a lot of people to be scared of the creepy crawlies, like as is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and then you throw in these these insects. It's like I said, not fun. Black magic seems to be playing on what's already there, mm-hmm. and she had already had that weird skin thing come up. Exactly. Easy prey. Ooh, and then that was real good when she ripped into her fucking self. It, really good. And once again, I feel like it's maybe a little a bit of an homage. Maybe not necessarily with you know millipedes or centipedes and all that stuff, but it still goes back to like the worms and other things they used from the original. Mm-hmm. They're just incorporating in a different way, literally getting under your skin. <laughs> What's next? Because now, like the black magic's in full swing now. So what? Yeah. Once once all that, that stuff happens, they all kind of converge in this like main room that's being like Hanif and Nadja, and then you know Lena and Jeffrey because she's all cut up, and then Eva comes back out and she's choking because of all that shit just went in her oh, throat. Right. She starts to throw up, <laughs> and then yeah, they get in that panic, and then that's when they go in the loop. And then they come back. The, the kids have oh, been split off. During the loop, that's right. That's when we learned what happened to Miss Mira. Mm-hmm. Which is fucked up. Suddenly, a lot more of the story makes sense. You think. I didn't know there was going to be a second twist necessarily. Yeah. That's a good enough twist to begin with, so right? So you get a green room. The story that we initially get is that it seemed like she was the one practicing black magic, sacrificing kids and all that shit. Then they say, like, there was a couple of different variations. Like, there was a fire that happened. Essentially, what it amounted to is they threw her in the room because she was crazy because Myrnie disappeared. They think mm-hmm. maybe she murdered Myrnie. She was slamming her head against the fucking door and split it open. When they opened it, she was dead. And uh, then they said they buried her in the forest. That was the first story. 
I think the revised edition was they buried her in that fucking room under the orders of Mr. Bundy. And then you get something later on when yeah. you really find out what happens. Also, when they showed her fucking getting buried and she's still twitching and shit. Her eyes all glazed over and shit. Yeah, like, oh, man. That was good. That is nightmare fuel for young kids. I'm not going to lie. That would have fucked me up if I seen that as a kid. Oh, then is hockey watching more of the flick? Is that what's he does. going on? He does. He winds up splitting up from the group. And yeah, because he goes off to watch the film. And my nephew happened to be watching. That's like, look, at this is going to be a fun part. So I was like, yeah, he's watching her. And he's like, what's wrong with her foot? And it's like earlier they were saying that, you know, when she was a baby, she was crying. Her dad broke her leg and, you know, apparently it didn't set right. Ew, yeah. You know, hence why she's walking all fucked up. As that's happening, of course, she's coming down the hallway as well. And it's like, I want to see how he reacts to this because it's pretty good. I like how they're doing mm-hmm. it, especially once the tape goes off and then you see her reflection in the TV. Yeah. Yeah. And then a turn. Nothing. Yeah. And you're like, you see the feet and then he looks up. I was like, got his ass. Yeah. I was like, that's, that was actually pretty decent, man. It's not bad. Um, Natural fear for a kid to see something like that and then freak out, take off. Goes to try to find Hosby. Yeah, Hosby got fucked up bad. Staple Mouth was well, well acted by him. At yeah. no point he sold was it. I, at no point was I thinking about this is just a guy like yeah. having to do this to himself. Like, no, he did a really good job, man. Yeah, like I said, he sold it. Once again, I was explaining to my nephew like when they're doing all the shots of him mm. you know, stapling his mouth. I was like, no, watch. There's gonna be a cut right here, and then you'll see him, and there'll be another cut. <laughs> so I was explaining how they're doing all of this stuff, but. The effects itself, they look good. They look good. He sold it. It seemed authentic. But yeah, when, when Hockey goes in looking for Hosby, Hosby's all fucked up. And then he pulls up that rifle. And I wasn't expecting them to take it as far as they went with it either. Yeah, I didn't think he'd take a couple shots. I'm like, damn. <laughs> and then he puts it to the kid's head. I was like, damn, you went there. The thing is, I'm like, if you're going to go oh, yeah. so far as to put it to the kid's head then don't make it super obvious that he moved in time. Yeah, right before the cut. Yeah. Because you see him Just make the, make the cut on the gun going off. Ah, oh, man, you're right. That would have been so much more effective. But I kind of maybe understand, too, it. why yeah. they, did, they did that maybe for... You see movement, but you don't yeah. know for sure if it was enough. But man, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think the, the bigger impact scene would have been the cut, the shot, that's it. And now at this point, I understand that the answer is black magic, but I don't care if Hosby is using that little twenty-two. The rest of them are like 100 yards away. They're hearing the shot go off. But come on, man. <laughs> yeah, if you're shooting it in this proximity, you're going to hear it around. Yeah. It's not like a rifle roaring. No, 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 no. But you're still going to hear it. It's going to but be noticeable. Like, the fuck was that loud firecracker? Yeah, like, what was that? It's going to be noticeable. Now, I understand the answer is black magic. Right, right. Right. Just saying. Agreed. Okay, I know what happens. So yeah. after after that happens, after we get the cut, the family shows back up. Still. Right. That's when Nadia comes in. She goes in first, yells out the kids' names. Her kids, uh, Dina and Sandy, mm-hmm. they come out. And then I think the rest of the family comes in, and then they split up looking for the kids. Long story short is towards the end of that, <laughs> the fucking girl who got hit because when Hanif and Jeffrey found her, they brought her back too, but they left yeah. her in the car. Right. 
And, and we saw that she was alive still. You could see her breathing and shit. Yeah. Well, you, under there the was covers. also, when they got back to the house, they show her, like, hand Yeah, the hand. Yeah. You're right. I mean, she if that's not obvious so. enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, a whole different context there. <laughs> that was not sexy. Um, but she comes in. I think it's one of those moments where you think maybe it's hockey yelling for his parents and whatever. But no, it's the girl. Well, and now, I mean... Black magic is in full swing. This could still be Murney. I agree. Totally agree. Because she's already had this reach, and now she's got a real reach in it. Yeah. You don't know enough of what's going on to rule it out. No, you just get little was, glimpses that was of good her. to me, so I like I even, that. There's even that, that scene with Jeffrey when he pulls the shades, mm. and you can see her down mm-hmm. by the tree line. And like, if he couldn't see her, that's on him. But black magic, mm-hmm. once again... Well, we can see it as the audience, of course. It's pretty obvious. But I'm getting as she's always been out there watching. Now she has this really, you know, strong reach. Yeah, but once that girl shows up and then shit really hits the fan because she explains, you know, what happened to her and with the bus incident. And you right. kind of get a clearer picture, you know, that she, she had her headphones on. I feel like maybe the reason it didn't have the reach on her like that because she had the headphones. Some sort of there was probably a component. spell or something happening that she didn't hear audibly. Got the rest of the kids because they were headbanging. Yeah. And that was pretty gnarly. Yeah, it was. But it goes back to what was happening with Mira. Mm-hmm. So there was that connection. You know, and then she says she was running. <laughs> and then she gets hit. There's that with her. And I'm trying to think. There's somewhere in there, too, one of those photos. Oh, I think that's what it was. Nadia, she was the one who goes to Bondi's room. Right. And that's when she Which, finds that shit. She's following. I think she's being led by Mira. Right. Yeah, because of the limp. You can see the mm-hmm. limp rounding the corner. And I think she's kind of leading her because then she goes up beneath the bed. Is there any part of Murney's plan that requires Nadia to be led by one of her creations to find these pictures? I Not that I'm aware of. I think it's it's a combination of Mira and probably Murney, but and maybe in this case, Mira specifically. So I think this might be because one she's the, the she's a mother. This she, yeah, this might be for me the best part to sort of bring up like. The biggest problem with this movie I couldn't quite put into words until I was sort of reading some of these other reviews, and I can't remember who wrote it, but I will say it's not quite my original thought, but it encapsulated maybe the biggest overall problem with this movie, and there's not really a clear protagonist, and without that, there's nobody that really has any clear way of combating Murney in any way, so they have to be led by these. Yeah, here's something that you probably saw my face. Here's something that maybe just dawned on me when I said that with mm-hmm. the mother thing. Hear me out. <laughs> you can okay. correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe interject some ideas here to help out. What I'm thinking, this might be a, a reach, but here's something I think I might have figured out. Maybe the reason why Mira's leading Nadja into Hosby is because, think about this, Murney went missing, quote unquote mm-hmm. missing, and that was the whole point. Like, you know, there was protection. So as a mother, she's protecting the kid. Now, who's missing? Is hockey. Hockey's missing right now. So hockey is a good kid. He doesn't flip and, you know, use black magic mm-hmm. and shit. So maybe that's why at the end he's the one who breaks the spell and right. all this other shit. So that's the only thread I can see is that you have two mothers, two kids who go missing. That's the connection and the threads. But like I said, I might be reaching, but that's the only thing I can make sense of. Right. But I mean, does that still require her to be led to those pictures? Not necessarily. Nah, no, nah, no. Nah. Maybe it's like it's just thematically, it's just like 
it, once it, it's another one of those things where it feels a little bit more like the audience needed the information to put everything together. Yeah. Uh, still, like, with Bundy, his character is so fucking weird in this story. He's like, yeah, he's a pedophile and all this other shit, and he, he helps make things happen in terms of the, all these other characters, but his character in the film does dick all. Yeah. He's just dying and has, like, Though to be fair, stairs. that does kind of call back to the original one where you didn't know that this whole thing was just a feud oh, between two old guys until the last five minutes. Is exactly, exactly, exactly. Because they do kind of, you know, dump that shit on you right there towards the mm-hmm. end. You're like, what? That was. I would say this is better done than that. Oh, I know, because that's such a fucked up thing to begin with. But I mean, good on them because it's like, hey, it does happen. I just think that other of you hit the nail on the head. Without there being a clear protagonist that has no, there is there is no clear protagonist. Any way to combat Murney or any drive to get through this? I agree. Other than survival, which is pretty basic and works as a drive in a lot of horror movies, but yeah, like we still have to be given this information somehow, and so we're getting it in these weird exposition dumps rather than something that feels a little bit more organic. I agree. There, you're absolutely right. It's it's more in the moment. Like, things are just happening in the moment. That being said, the twist that Bandy is a giant fucking pedo, and <laughs> that's why girls, at least one would run away every year, like somebody mentioned earlier in the movie, and, like, yeah. suddenly everything clicks together. Makes sense. Right. So, it's like well, that is... almost everything. I, almost, yeah, yeah. But it does a pretty good job of explaining certain things. I was like, damn, I wasn't expecting that. It makes sense, too, why... You know, all these things are happening, like why these kids are, not kids, these guys now who are adults are being brought back. It's a setup mm-hmm. because they were part of something. Whether they knew or not, they were still complicit. And it's like, damn, that's so fucked up <laughs> when you learn that. Like, they're learning the hard way. Like, they were exalting this guy, and he's a big old pedophile, and it just really fucks them up because now they're like, damn. Also, it's... I'm going to say right now, it's a little bit fucked up that Nadia's first call was to kind of accuse Hanif of, like, helping Bondi. I mean, I, I mean, I get it a little bit, but it's still fucked up. Because he did help her. He did right. help Bondi with other things. Right. Other fucked up things. But so, I there's mean, also you know, nothing in those pictures to indicate anybody other than Bondi. No, because involved. it's always that guy in the pictures, apparently. So, yeah. But, you know, he explains it like, no, why, fuck, what? You know? And then you learn what Mira was really doing, and then it becomes even more fucked up. She was trying to protect the kids, and mm-hmm. you find out the reason why... Siti uh, is the one who dumps this on you. Oh, first, I want to say, as much as I'm like, okay, it's kind of fucked up that Nadia is immediately, like, slightly blaming Hanif. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do love... You get the one spoken line of English in this movie. Yeah, that's Where funny. everything is so fucked up that she's just like, what the hell is going on, Nif? That's when you know shit's really fucked up. When you can go from Indonesian to English in one line, because <laughs> shit's so fucked up, you've got to speak a different language. That was, I thought that was perfect for the situation. That's interesting. That's a good take, too. Yeah. It was just like, what? Like, I just followed a fucking ghost in there and found out that this guy's a fucking pedo. And he just gave me the death stare. Yeah. <laughs> on the way out like you dirty bitch you just found all my secrets oh so I, w- I ended up being pretty glad to find out that Manon and CT were innocent yeah I didn't and that was that was the, the twist to be the psych out you know yeah. but that was good because it's like ah 
it lets you know that they they had good intentions. You know, everybody there had good intentions. They were just put in a fucked up situation they were unaware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but yeah, I did like that because that's when Siti she explains. She's like, you know, the reason I really did this is because I didn't want him molesting me anymore. So I disfigured myself. And they're like, why didn't you say anything? He's like, well, huh, this dude grabbed three kids, locked them in a room, set them on fire, and basic is like, you know, this is your fate if you go tell on me. <laughs> so like, zip it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. And then Miss Mira, trying to protect the kids, trying to protect her daughter, gets framed, you know, gets called out for being crazy, killer. Oh, yeah. You get the reveal that. Man, it's fucked up. That Mira's daughter was Myrnie. Yeah, because she of the pictures one. and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see her holding Myrnie as a baby. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, damn, that makes more sense. <laughs> why she was so protective. And why you see them together at that first photo in the beginning. They're like, we got to get the fuck out, right? Yeah, I was like, we got to get the fuck out here right now, <laughs> right now. Even and that's the, what I was talking about. we're just going to loop again. Yeah, my gripe. There's this, we just get in the car and let's just drive. <laughs> and is it Ava that jumps up on the... Yeah, that was pretty gnarly. She gets possessed for a minute. Yeah. Until Myrnie actually pops out. And then, did you immediately catch the big difference right away with Myrnie? The big yeah. thing, the call back to the first one in a way. I, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of lost in thought here. She was floating. Oh, that's, yeah, that's solid. That's a good point. In the original movie, there's that point where they were like, she's not a fucking ghost. Her feet were on the ground. That's funny. You're right. You're absolutely right. Damn, I didn't think about that, but that's a good point. That's why the later result of the decapitation did not surprise me one bit, because I'm like, oh, she's undead. Yeah, that's pretty wicked, dude. That's awesome. That's a good point. I I missed that, apparently. Went over my head. And... Holy shit, I think the best wraparound in this movie, the little bit that was set up at the beginning that I'd completely forgotten about, was Ronnie's mom left her 10 years ago. Damn, I know. When you find out who her mom was. I know, it's fucked up, man. It is fucked up. So, I mean, there you go. I I did like it, because whether we get a sequel or not, that's maybe not necessarily the point. It just lets you know that there's these threads that keep happening. There's things that keep connecting this revenge story. (laughs) You know, but that's good. It's it's clever. Um, Everybody gets captured. Yeah. That was fucked. It harkens back to a couple of other films. Like, one that kind of comes to mind is Drag Me to Hell, a little bit because of Mm. the curse. You know, right there at the end, Nadja is in the car picking up hockey. And she sees what she thinks, which it probably is, Mernie. She gets out, you know, she doesn't see it. And you're like, this bitch ain't dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's undead for sure. Yeah. But yeah, fucking what's her name? Turns on him, knocks Nadja out. Is because right after Nadja wakes up, they have all those different rooms where people are getting tortured mm-hmm. in. The room that Hasby are in, they're also in there with my mom and Siti. Where the like they're getting scalded by the hot water. Oh right. Yeah. So that's the four of them in that room, and then you have Sandy and Donnie in the room where they're like kind of hung up at an angle, and he's throwing up. Mm-hmm. And in the the first room, it was a combination of Lena, Eva, and Jeffrey. Also, uh, I just want to point out, like I brought up Baskin a couple times already because of the way this movie plays out. The fact that she's trying to do all this to create hell on earth, also yeah. pretty Baskiny. It really fucking is. She even explains it. She's like, I don't know whether or not I believe in hell. It already exists. Hell exists. So I want to make sure you guys go through hell before you get to the afterlife. I'm like, damn, that's hardcore because 
if there is a hell, you're going to experience it twice. Once on this plane and once on the other. Here's something I, I read. I didn't know this. This is a part of the trivia on the database, so this is available. But this is kind of neat. It says those torture scenes are actually reminiscent of a hugely popular series of comics in Indonesia, which depicts all these kinds of hells and tortures or what have you. It says that it's still widely released. It's actually used by theology grade teachers to teach their students about religion, despite its extremely graphic images. Oh. <laughs> so, cultural thing there. Also, best use of CG in the movie yeah. with Jeffrey's fingers. Oh, that's what I was telling my nephew. I was like, oh, watch his hands. Look at his hands. <laughs> Dude, that was fucked. Right? That looked good. It looked really good. Like, Whoever did the digital for this, they did a pretty damn decent job, man. I'll give them credit. Yeah, hell on earth. I mean, I know that Mernie kind of has her own little torture plan for <laughs> Nadja and having to make her choose and whatnot, but I still don't feel like this movie really sets up any good reason for Nadja to be left out the way she was. No, not isolated, but that's the only thing that I can, I can piece it. It doesn't have necessarily to do with Mernie, you're right, like... I think it has more to do with Mira, like her, maybe her reach a little bit because they're the only mothers in the film, technically. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. But I mean, that's still all cool. You already sort of talked about it a little bit earlier. It turns out that like hockey gets up and stabs in the back and sort of turns the tide on the shit. Yeah. And once that like little spell, the reach that Mernie has on people, it breaks because Nadia was being forced to either cut off Hanfi's head or let everybody else suffer hell. I still think it was a setup regardless. Like even if she cut his fucking head off, she'd be like, ah, psych. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? But yeah, once Haki stabs her in the back, Nadja gets that sickle, that blade, starts attacking. Uh, that was Mernie. pretty cool how it wasn't even so much that she just drew it across her neck, but more like she stuck it into the wall and pushed kind of had to force it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, that's kind of gruesome. That was good. That yeah, was and the good. head flops off. And yeah, she starts walking. I was like, yeah, she ain't dead. She undead. Yeah, no, I'm like, this is Queen of Black Magic. Like, yeah, this is for real. going to happen once this decap is stated. Like, I think that's one of the last things you see because right after that, Mernie puts her fucking head back on. And you're like, oh, shit. But then fire. And then weak. Um, but I also I mean, kind of get, get it. it. Yeah, fire purifying force and a lot right. of folklore and religion. It also so made like, me wonder, too, was like, did they use a white candle? I don't think they did, but it would kind of make sense if they did, too. Mm -hmm. You know, but regardless, yeah, fire, all that stuff makes sense. And especially if she's <laughs> some sort of undead or spirit, like, completely get it. Last little thing they do is like, haha, Mr. Bundy, you're going to get yours now. <laughs> Fuck you. He's just like, ah, doesn't he say anything? He's just reaching. I don't think so. Yeah, and then we've already kind of explained, like, it fast forwards, who knows how far into the future? Not now, very. When, when all that was going on, and Nadja is, like, pleading to Mernie, and she's like, why are you doing all this shit? And, like, we're fucking innocent. Like, what the fuck did my kids do to you and stuff? And Mernie pulls out all the shit, like, well, not knowing is also a sin. I do feel like Joko Anwar is a fantastic writer. Award-winning like we're super interested yeah. in a number of his other flicks. I do think that making this fucking movie in the age of me too. And the fact that you've already yeah. worked in the fact that like child sexual abuse has happened and stuff, you can make that message like pointing at people who knowingly look the other way. Solid point. Yeah. 
rather than her going super all in, super evil about it. I know, and like, right? And going after true innocence as well. Right. Yeah, you that, could, that is like you up. could probably still go after the boys and like maybe you see a couple flashbacks from her point of view. Yeah. Where they awesome. kind of maybe they should have known and they were intentionally just trying to think the best of Mr. Bondi. You know, that's, that's a good, sort of that's thing. a solid point. Now, I wonder how much it's cultural too and maybe the religious that's aspect true. behind it. That's true. I don't know. So somebody who does, they can chime in or correct us if we're wrong. I do want to say I'm not saying that it's bad. No, I feel no, no, like no. It's just, it it's just a seems thing. like a missed opportunity. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I think that is a solid point considering the subject matter they throw at you in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one thing to say, you and know. how close it already is. You just ah, have to make no. that little twist that she's not also going after the innocents. Hmm. I agree. I agree, but no, they're like, no, regardless, you're a sinner. I'm like, ah, what mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of shit is that? But yeah, overall, though, overall, even though, once again, the score is not a super highlight of the film, in the moments that it needs to come in, it does a good job of setting up certain moments in the film. So it does its job there. I'll agree. You know, the thing is, with this movie that stuck out to me, like, the score was fine. Like, I mean, it's probably better than fine. I'd need to pay a little bit more attention to it on another watch through or something. But especially early in the movie, the lack of score and music in some of the scenes super helped play up the awkward tones between some of that shit that was going on. I totally agree. So they did a really good job of piecing this film together with certain cues, certain shots, audible cues, non-audible cues, things like that. So, yeah, overall, it's just a well-crafted film. Bitch about uh, this movie way more than, like, <laughs> like it say, deserves, because I actually, like, I would... We have to be fair, though. It's, it's up there, though. Like, I really enjoyed this movie. I will say this. I'm willing to say that, for me, for entertainment value, three out of three so far from Indonesia. Absolutely. And we've already mentioned several other films from Indonesia in the horror genre, and it makes me more curious about them, so... And also, a uh, super loose adaptation, right? Uh, yeah, in, for real. In retrospect, like, the manipulation in order to seek vengeance yeah. still fits into the original story. No doubt. It's still a revenge film mm-hmm. overall. I even, even at the end, it's not a spoiler unless you haven't seen it, but if you stick around right before the end credits, I suppose, they show you snippets from the original film, too, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I thought you know, that was kind of so funny. There you go. I'll let you know. And I was explaining some of the shots to my nephews and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, this is the scene with this and that. And then I showed them that fucking the cliff mm. <laughs> toss. So, yeah. Now they want to watch the original. So, yeah. Way to go Indonesia so far. I know, dude. Oh, damn. Good on them. Big like ups. Like I said, we are definitely uh, interested in a couple others that we've Without a doubt. Both modern and older. I totally agree with that. This might be the year where we end up trekking to Indonesia a few times. A couple of Java boys. <laughs> That's right. However, we have next week planned. And yes, we do. It's, oh, it's going to be so much fun. Crossover. I think in a really, really fun way, man. All of the main components of the Earverm Podcast Network will be doing a doubleheader recording session next Monday. On our side of things, we will have our good friend Zach on talking about Bubba Hotep. You heard that right. And then you'll be able to listen to us pop over onto General Nerdery and talk about the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Oh, now there's a common thread there. 
we know what it is, of course, but. Let's go watch that shit. Get ready for it. We're going to be talking a lot at you coming up. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Likewise. And I probably need to go get started on watching some Briscoe County Jr. Because even the first three episodes ends up being like two and a half hours. Yeah, so we've got some homework this week to do. So with that in mind, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms. Out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, The easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. You can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. Not going to give you all those ats. So, with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace. <laughs>